This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Every time I have to speak or teach, it's always really weird because I don't know how to start. I never know how to start. And uh, normally Holy Spirit will give me something specifically for you guys. But this morning, what God wanted me to share with you guys is I've done nothing right to be up here <laughs> talking to you guys. I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I have done nothing right. I didn't go to theology school. I didn't memorize the Bible front to back. If anything, the, the way that I encountered God was actually at the lowest point of my life. Come on now. Right? I was... Just to, I just want to share my testimony with you guys because I have no qualifications to be up here other than one. I'm God's beloved son in whom he's well pleased. Come on. Come on. And you guys are too. And so with my testimony, it actually started down at the union. If you look at my right, your left, these are all the middle schoolers down at the union. Can you guys just give them a hand? And it's Nate's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. So, uh, so I was actually down there at the union, and uh, I was 17, 18 years old, and uh, my, one of my best friends, she's sitting in the back, her and her uncle um, called me, and they were like, hey, that, I was 17, I was in my bedroom, it was really late, it was like 6 o'clock at night, and they were like, hey, you should come to church, and I was like, church? 6 o'clock at night on a Tuesday? Like, <laughs> who does that? That's weird. We only go to church on Sundays, and uh, so I'm sitting in my bed, and I was like, I can't go to church. And I was like, I'm not even dressed up. Like, I don't have my outfit. Like, I don't have my button up. I don't have my slacks. I don't have my shoes. And it was so funny because the uncle was like, who cares? Becky's wearing PJs. And I was like, what church wears PJs? Like, what? And I was like, all right. So I got my best polo. It was this little purple polo. Some jeans and the black Air Forces. Come on now. I'm a big shoe guy. So I put them on. Got in this little Celica. And we drove all the way from Alexandria. Where's my Alexandria? Who drives far away? Who drives far away? Yeah, come on. I know Alexandria's far. I know there's other places in the country that's far. And I'll tell you what, it was far that day. Getting on 66, driving for like two hours. (laughs) Thank you guys for finally praying uh, that 66 gets fixed. You guys are like 10 years late, but it's okay. I forgive you. I still love you. So we're we're driving on 66, and I'm like, they're going to kill me. Like, it was a setup this whole time. I, it, was, it, wasn't, it was hard because I was watching serial killer documentaries, uh, why they called me. And I was like, this is how I die. This is what happened. And they're driving for hours. And then I was like, you know what? They said church. We're going to be all right. We pull up here, and we don't go to the front. We go to the back. I don't know if you guys ever drove in the back, but it's kind of scary back there. And it was scary because it was dark. And I was like, they're going to kill me. This is it. This is it. This is how I die. Uh, I don't even know God yet, you know? And, and so I'm back. Well, I knew a God, but I thought he was mean and wanting to kill me, even if I thought a bad thought or have had a lie. I thought he was up there in heaven on his throne judging me, and I thought he was going to use a, a lightning bolt to kill me just because I had a bad thought. Anybody been there before? You don't have to raise your hand. Two of us. All right, come on. So I get to this weird warehouse back here, and and they open up the, the, the garage door, and I go in there, and I'm like, okay, I'm safe. I mean, I'm not going to get killed. At least they won't kill me in front of all these people. And um, this crazy lady comes in with this crazy hair. Her name is Leslie. And she sees me, and she, she holds me. And she was like, are you, are you an uncle? Are you an unk? She said, are you an unk? Because uh, Becky's uncle. Well, she didn't know that during that time, unk was a slang word for crackhead. <laughs> So she was like, uh, are you an unk? And I was like, how does she know I do drugs? Like, how does she know this? <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, just kill me, please. I can't have this crazy lady knowing all my secrets. Are you guys still with me? Are you guys bored? Okay. So, so I go inside this sanctuary, and this is the crazy part. There was no chairs. Tap your chair. Go ahead, tap your chair. Tell your neighbor, I like the chair you're sitting in. Tell your other neighbor, you look good in that chair you're sitting in. Come on. There was no chairs down there. There was no chairs. I walk in there, it's just this empty sanctuary, uh, this empty thing with a big stage and lights. And, and I was like, where's the pules, the peels, the whatever, the place where I kneel down and worship this dude. There was nothing there. I was so thrown off. I was like, okay, 
So I'm there, and what didn't help was the music they were playing was kind of like the worship we were having right now. They had, like, rock and roll going. They had this crazy lady named Kristen there, and she was like this, like, you know, doing some Egyptian stuff. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, you know, I look at the uncle, and I'm like, hey, yo, crackhead. Like, I mean, uncle. Uh, uh, I was like, what are they doing? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, do we stand? Do we sit? And he was like, I ain't standing. I was like, me neither. I'm going to stay back here in my corner. And, um, and I'm there just watching everybody, and then I, I heard it was something called worship. And I was like, I think I've heard of worship back in all the old churches I used to go, where I used to, they used to preach about, you're going to go to hell if you have a bad thought. Anybody heard that message? Yeah. And so, so I was there, and I was like, well, I don't want to mess up in this place they're calling church. I'm definitely going to die here, by God. And so I'm back there, and, and they're, they're doing their dancing and stuff, and what 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 came later was just, I promise you, you'll think I'm making it up. This big dude named Pastor Abel, he wasn't a pastor yet, but this big giant just walks in. He has an apron on for whatever reason. He has an apron. He used to work as a waiter. He has an apron and he comes up there and he starts speaking and he's like, you're God's beloved. He loves you so much. That's my Abel voice. He loves you so much. He loves you. He's passionate about you. He, and he's like, he has a wallet with all your pictures in it. And I was like, oh God, not the pictures. <laughs> Who knows what he has right there? And he's like, you're his bride. He loves you. First thought was like, bro, I love girls. Like, I don't, what do you mean I'm a bride? Like, that's so weird, you know? And I had just joined the military, so I was like, I'm definitely a dude. I definitely like steak. I like to shoot guns. <laughs> I'm not, I'm nobody's bride, you know? Uh, are you guys still with me? So, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hanging out in this sanctuary, and the crazy part was this. I left that night just confused. And, and I wish I could tell you that I understood everything that he was saying. I wish I could tell you that when I got home, I was no longer depressed. I want to tell you that when I got home, I, I no longer did drugs or abused women or drank a lot of alcohol. I wish I could tell you that by one service, I was completely changed. That didn't happen. But what did happen was I had, I had Becky and her mom come pick me up every Tuesday, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> And, uh, and it was funny because I'd be laying in bed on Tuesdays and he would come and she would show up and she'll call me. And I was like, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see her phone call. And she starts honking outside my house. The whole neighborhood's awake. She's like, beep, 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 beep. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get beat by my parents and God. <laughs> so I walk out there and I was like, look, lady, I ain't going to church today. And she was like, you either pay me for gas <laughs> or you jump in this car. And you eat a McChicken, because she used to get us McDonald's. You remember that? She used to get us McDonald's. It was only a dollar because of inflation. It's like, what, $2 now? Okay, we got to pray more. All right. So, so, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like eating this McChicken every Tuesday night. I didn't want to pay this lady for gas. And every Tuesday night, it would be a message about how God loves me, no matter what I've done or continue to do. And it just kept flying over my head. And so I was there for about a year. I was in a relationship with this beautiful woman that I love, but we, she was also in a very bad place. And what we ended up doing was she was my God. I was her God. If she even looked at me wrong or did something wrong, I would become so paranoid. I, I would blow up in rage. I would put holes in the walls. I would be little her and she would be little me. And, and that didn't help when it came to my depression. That didn't help when it came to my sadness. And I kept going back every Tuesday night to hear this message about a God that loves me. Until one night, I wish I could tell you it was like a place where somebody came and laid hands on me and they were like, I know all your secrets. It wasn't like that. This guy came up to me and now I know what he was. He was a prophet. He came up to me and he said, you're a liar. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I don't know you, but I'm going to beat you. And uh, he was like, you're a liar. He was like, you're using your anger as a way to protect yourself because you were hurt. Because you wanted to protect yourself. So your protective method was, I'm going to bite your head off before you bite mine. And he said, but really, you're a marshmallow. And I see you hiding in your room in the corner, scared and alone. You want to talk about anger? You want to, oh, you want to talk about me wanting to, like, pick this dude up. I don't care how much he weighed. I was pretty strong. I want to pick him up and just suplex him, like, real hard. But, but God wouldn't let me. I, this is the stuff that, like, I just cannot, like, make up. Literally, I'm there full of anger, just ready to pick this dude up and hurt him. 
And the presence of God was on me. I didn't know it was the presence of God. I just knew I couldn't move. I was like, God, please, just one second, please. Just God, let me give him what I know now as the fivefold ministry. God, please, please. And I couldn't move. And this is the part that made me real mad. He was like, the presence of God is on you. That's why you can't move. I know you want to hurt me. And I was like, how does he know? How does he know everything? Isn't that crazy? I can't make this up. Like, I'm being real with you guys. Are you guys okay? So I wish I could tell you that that was the moment that God changed my life, but it wasn't. That was the moment that I was like, I'm never coming back to this church. I'm running. I ran out that door. I ran as hard as I could. And I don't know if Becky remembers, but her mom literally got in the car and had to get me like all the way over here because I just ran. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do with this. Have you guys ever been there? Two of us. I love that. Thank you. I'm not alone. So, so um, I'm here and she picks me up. And, and I was like, okay, whatever. I didn't ask enough questions. I didn't ask her questions. I didn't go back to the prophet. I didn't ask pastors any questions. I was like, I'm keeping this to myself. Nobody needs to know that I'm really a marshmallow. Even though I was lying and pretending. And, it got, and the, my life got worse. Um, drinking got worse. Drugs got worse. Um, my relationship with my girlfriend and I got even just worse. Just really, really bad. Every conversation ended with, I'm going to kill myself. And I was like, well, if you do that, I'm going to kill myself. So that's the reason we didn't do it. And I ended up showing up on a Tuesday night. It was just a random Tuesday night. Kind of like today's a random Sunday. Can, I, can you say random? Can I get bunny ears? Because we know God has a plan and a purpose. Can I get an amen? Come on. So I'm there, and, and I'm in this sanctuary again, big open space. And they're, they're actually bra- singing the song, Break Every Chain. Isn't that crazy? Like, I was getting ready to be in tears right here as, as I'm reliving this experience with God. And I go in there, and, and they're singing Break Every Chain, and I can hear the drums. And, and I go in there. What, what nobody knew, what nobody knew was that was the night that I was going to go home and kill myself. That was, that was the day that I was going to go home and just put an end to this empty feeling, this empty void inside of me that nothing could satisfy because at this point, alcohol just wouldn't satisfy me anymore. Being with a girl didn't satisfy me anymore. Doing drugs didn't satisfy me anymore. I felt so empty. Being angry just made me even more hurt. Are you guys with me? Yeah. I love you. And so I'm, I'm, I'm there in the sanctuary, and they're playing Break Every Chain. And I was like, look, I'm not convinced that you're real, God. I just started talking to this guy I didn't believe, which makes no sense, right? So I'm there, and I'm like, I don't know if you're real or not. And I was like, but I've heard about you from this big, giant guy that keeps coming in and saying that you love me no matter my defects or what I've done right or wrong. I've heard of of you wanting to call me your bride, even though I don't like men. You know, I heard you have a wallet with all my pictures in there for whatever reason. But... But what I had against, what wasn't even against God, it was against religion, right? It was against you have to check all your boxes in order to inherit the kingdom. Where my Bible says, if I have, if I am like a child, I will inherit the kingdom. The kingdom. Are you guys with me? So, so I show up in that moment of desperation and I was like, look, I'm going to end my life tonight. I don't know if you're real. I don't know if you're not. I was like, but I'm going to give you my life. And I actually inserted uh, the F word in there. That's, that was my prayer of salvation. I literally was like, God, I don't want this life. Blank you. Here you go. And uh, it was the most religious, unreligious thing, right? I was like, here you go, God. Like, have this life. And, and, and the way I was taught was like, you have to say the prayer of salvation right. You have to memorize it right. If you don't, you won't be saved. Isn't that crazy? So I was like, all right, whatever. So that was it. I was like, just throwing it up there. Next thing you know, <laughs> depression literally just left my mind. I can't, I can't explain why, but it just left. Sadness, I was no longer sad. Instead, something I've never felt before came, and it was called peace. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Peace. Peace just landed on me. This weight that I had on me just came off, and the feeling that I would have when I would be drunk, that, that, that satisfied, can I get bunny ears? That satisfied feeling actually came, and it stayed. It was whole. It was complete. I felt brand new. But this is the part that I really want to hit home. This is my first point with you guys. God loves you not when you're perfect, not when you have read every scripture right, 
Not when you feel that you are the top dog. He loves you at your lowest point. He loves you no matter what your past was. He loves you even though you don't even know if you have a future. He loves you with chains on and without chains on. He is a good father. So I'm up here talking to you not as a person that's on staff, that, that's perfect. I'm here talking to you as a guy who gave his life to God, even though he didn't believe him all the way. And he's choosing to use me today. Because he loves you. <laughs> and because he loves me. I love you. Okay, so the reason I just, I have a little bit more time than I thought I was going to have. Yay. So the reason I tell people I love them so much was because I hated people so much, right? I was trying to bite your head off before you bit mine. What I didn't know was the reason I was doing that was because I had so much hatred for myself. Every time I did something wrong, I actually hated myself even more. You guys ever been there? Yeah. And so what ended up happening was I met this God who loves unconditionally. And so the more time I spent with this God that loved me unconditionally, no matter if I was angry if I was happy, if I felt the peace, he would meet me there. And I spent so much time with this God that loved me unconditionally that by default, just spending time with him, I started loving people right where they were. Isn't that good? Isn't it awesome what happens when we spend time with the Father? Like he just gives us stuff kind of like gifts (laughs) with no strings attached. But not just for you, it's so you can go and start changing and making other people feel the love of God. So when I tell you I love you, it's not Rafa's love, it's God's love. Because when I see you, I don't see any of your mistakes. When I see you, I just see who God wants you to be. Are you guys with me? Okay, so my love for you is unconditional. So whether you receive it or not, you take it up with God. So what ended up happening was now I'm in this journey with, with God. And say journey, journey. Right? We're all on a journey with God. And it, it, was, it was awesome because I no longer felt depressed. And like, we're going to fast forward, right? There's a lot that happened between then. But the, this past couple years, God, God just kept moving in my life. And even though I knew this God who loved me unconditionally, there were parts of me that were still trying to understand how much love he really had for me, right? So what would happen was I would make a mistake. Let's say uh, I got hired here on staff, and, and they were like, you're going to paint something. And I was like, all right, never painted in my life. Let's do it. Let's, let's get it. Let's see what happens. The minute that I go and start to paint, I drop the whole bucket, right? The whole bucket just fell. And that's the moment that I realized how much I don't involve God in my mistakes. Are you guys with me? So I dropped it, I spilled it, and I was like, my gosh, like all the pastors are going to show up. Pastor JR is going to walk over here. I was like, I'm, am I going to get a spanking? It was just weird believing, you know, like they never done that. If anything, they're like, you, you, why didn't you ask for help? Isn't that crazy? They're so sweet. I love them. So, but but in, my, in my mind, I was like, no, 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 I'm going to get beat. So before anybody beats me, I'm going to beat myself up first. Right? So, like, there's this thing, and I'm just like, okay, I suck. All right, I suck. I got to clean this up. I got to get the Clorox because I suck. Because, uh, because you know why? Because God is perfect. So, if, if God is perfect, then there's something wrong with me when I don't get something right. Are you guys with me? So, so I was never inviting God in because the mistakes are me. It's all me. It's all Rafa. It's all my flesh. It has nothing to do with God because God is perfect. And what God was showing me was like, no, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You and I are one now, God. Uh, you and I are one now, Rafa. So your mistakes are my mistakes. And I was like, whoa, like, religious people are going to be mad if I ever said that. You know, I was like, you don't make mistakes. And he was like, I don't. So why are you not allowing me to come and help you? Because you're not a mistake. Are you guys with me? So I started fighting something called self-punishment. Say self-punishment. Right. Another word for it would be condemnation. I would condemn myself. So God didn't have to see the mess that I made. I would actually be like Adam in Genesis 1, where he made a mistake. He was in charge of that garden. He was in relationship with his wife. He made a mistake. 
and hid from God and felt shame, guilt, and condemnation. And when God would come and be like, Adam, where are you? I think God knows everything. Can I get an amen? Amen. He knew where Adam was. But he was looking for his heart. He, He was looking to connect with him in the mistake that he made. But rather than talking to God about it, he let shame and guilt define him. And so because he let guilt, shame and guilt define him, he never had breakthrough. Instead, he had another fruit, and it's called blame. He passed the blame on. He was like, it was the woman. God, if I ever said that to my wife, oh, my God, like, if you guys don't see me again on a Sunday, I messed up. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I love you. So, no, she's sweet. I love her. Um, so what ended up happening was he shifted blame, right? He decided to allow condemnation to be his new father. He allowed shame to be his new father rather than the real father who was actually able to take him out of bondage. Are you guys with me? So in his journey of of self-punishment, that's when God was like, I can help you clean this mess. I actually want to help you clean this mess. That's what I do. I clean messes. You remember Jesus? I was like, yeah, I like that dude. He's cool. We talk every day. And he was like, why do you think I sent him here? Because there was a mess. And he had the power to clean it. But how did he do it? Did he do it from his throne? No. He put himself in flesh. Say flesh. He put himself in flesh. Walked among us. Blisters on his feet. Tired. He probably had a six pack for how much work he did. Right? He loves to get in there and have relationship with people. Say relationship. In the good and the bad. When he sat at tables, did he sit with everybody that was perfect? Did he only eat bread with people who were clean? (laughs) Come on. He literally sat there with people who were prostitutes, alcoholics, tax collectors, the worst of the worst. He would sit there and love them. But he wouldn't leave them there. He would love them and add value to their life. Are you guys with me? So what God was trying to do in these moments was, (laughs) but, but what would happen if these people just got up and left the table? Is there any exchange or communication there? No, right? So what I was doing was I was running away from the table anytime I made a mistake. But God was so cute. He was just so sweet. Like the picture he gave me was like, it's a giant table. He's at the head and he's just like this looking at me. He's like, I'm right here, bud. Like, let's have a conversation about it. You know? And so Pastor Abel actually saw, I love him so much. He saw that I was struggling with the F word, which is failure. How many of you guys like to fail? Ooh, that's right. It was a quiet church now. I had such a big problem with failure because growing up, everything was about survival. So if I failed, I won't eat. If I failed, my parents won't be happy with me, right? It's a renewing of the mind, a renewing of the heart. But God is the one that wants to do it. Are you guys with me? If I could do it, then me saying that I suck with the, with the Clorox thing would heal me, but it didn't. What started healing me was inviting God in these messes. And I wish I could tell you that it was so much, like, I got up and I started shouting, like, yeah, God, I'm so happy you're here. No, it was hard. It was hard for me to be like, God, I messed up. What do you want to do about it? Right? And honestly, he brought that up, and I ignored him for, like, <laughs> for like a good month. And that's when Pastor Abel came, and he gave me this book. And uh, it's called Unpunishable by Danny Silk. And uh, I love books. Like, I actually uh, was afraid of finished books. <laughs> I know, it's such a weird fear, you know. But the problem with, like, spiritual books that I had was every time I learned a new principle or a new value, I knew there was a higher expectation, so I couldn't live beneath that anymore. So what I would do is I would cheat myself and not finish the book. I'm like, if I never finish the book, I'm never going to find out the expectation that we have, you know? Am I the only one? Okay, all right, whatever. I got healed for that. I got so so. We were good. Uh, can I get an amen? So what ended up happening is I'm reading this book, and I want to quit so bad because I'm like, oh, there I am. I do punish myself. Yeah, I do punish myself. I do punish myself. But there was one scripture that Danny Silk wrote in there that really changed my life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians 2, verse 6. If not, I can read it to you. And this is what he said. I don't remember the whole principle, but I remember the scripture that he said. Colossians 2, 6 is, As you, therefore, have received Christ, say received, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Here it is. Rooted 
and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm reading from the New King James. In the NLT, it actually said rooted and grounded in him. So what God did with that scripture, this is just my experience, this is me and God. What God did with me was he replaced failure, that big F word, with scripture. He does that, right? He's a good dad. He doesn't just tell us we're doing something wrong and not give us something in exchange, right? Right? I mean, he gave me freedom and peace over depression and sadness. He wasn't like, you're no longer depressed. No, he refilled me with something better. Are you guys with me? Am I boring, you guys? Okay, good. So what he gave me was just that scripture. This is the beauty about scripture, and it's what Pastor Gavin's been talking about. If we try to understand it up here first, we're just going to be people with knowledge. I can quote you this, but my life stays the same. I still am telling myself that I suck as I (laughs) drop paint everywhere. Don't tell anybody else I drop paint. Um, (laughs) So what ended up happening was he, he... he was just so sweet with that scripture. He, he, rather than being in my mind, he dropped it into my heart. And that was such a hard principle for me to understand because I'm like, my heart's right here, you know? But what, what changed for me was when he met me, he didn't meet me up here. I was jacked up up here. <laughs> I was depressed up here. I was sad up here. What he did is he met me in my heart. But it wasn't just that night. It was every single Tuesday night that I came and they delivered the word over and over, and over, and over again. And it wasn't going up here, it was going right here. And the minute that I allowed God into my life, all of that exploded. In a good way. Say good way. Come on. I like Milky Ways. So what happened was, I read the scripture, and I was like, as therefore you have received Christ, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him. For me, it was rooted and grounded in him. And that was such a beautiful word, because then... This is, where we, this is where I mess up all the time. I get this great revelation, and then I never ask God about it. We never talk about it again. Anybody do that? Well, you get a revelation, and you're just like, yeah, I got it. Got it in my pocket. Oh, let's go do life. And then we never talk to him about it. So what I decided to do was like, okay, I can't beat this by myself. So what do you want to do, God? He's like, let's talk about it. What does it mean for you to be grounded with me? What pictures do you get? And I was like, oh, I get a tree. Say tree. And I was like, okay, God. I like that, a tree, that's cool. I'm that little, that little shrub out there. If you walk out the doors, there's a little shrub by the flagpole, bless you. And I was like, that's what I am. And God was like, that's your problem. You don't understand the value that was put into you when I came and lived in you. You keep seeing yourself as this little shrub when I see you as a mighty sequoia tree in California. And this is how I knew it was God, because I don't even know what a sequoia tree is. I don't even know what that is. I don't have cable, so I don't have Discovery Channel, so I have no idea what it is. And so I Google it. You know, I look it up, and I was like, oh, mighty sequoia tree, California. And the pictures that I saw were like these giant trees like that, that they built highways through. They literally carved these giant roads through it for like tractor trailer, you know, like. And God, I was like, that's what I am? But I've been living as a shrub? And I was like, oh, my gosh, God. And then he was like, this is the part that I loved. He was like, okay, do you believe that that shrub is growing? And I was like, absolutely, it needs to. Like, it's puny. And he was like, do you believe that sequoia tree is growing? And I was like, absolutely, it keeps getting bigger. And he was like, would you consider that sequoia tree that has highways going through it weak? And I was like, no, it's mighty. And he was like, but the roots are still growing. Just because it's growing, does that mean it's weak? Are you guys with me? You guys with me? So I thought I was weak because I'm still growing in God. Well, we're going to keep growing until we go to heaven and we're perfect, right? So every time that I met this place of failure, I was actually saying how much I, I sucked and how bad I was. Rather than understanding, I'm growing in God. My roots are going deep into God. My roots, I'm growing, I'm, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be better. Now I know not to put the paint on the ladder. Right? But it's like these little small moments that we have with God that lead us to the big moments. Like diagnosis that you have no control over. 
I have a family member. I love him very much now. Our, our relationship has been restored thanks to God. It's actually my dad. You know, this man never said I love you until I met Jesus. And the way he did it, God had to grow, right? Like seeds are real. Seeds are very powerful. Because I was like, God, all I want is to have this relationship I have with you, with him. And in Romans 8, it says, let's turn to Romans 8 real quick. So talking about my dad, remind me. That's good? Okay, I'm going to read Romans 8 because I really love it. It's really good. So it says, there is therefore, verse 1, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh. Say flesh. The other word that God just gave me personally was also failure. (laughs) But uh, E.W. Kenyon, I was reading one of his books, he actually said senses, right? So we have our five senses. We can see, we can smell, we can taste. Am I missing something? We can hear. What's another one? Feel. I can touch. Yay. That's really good. I like that. So who do not walk according to the senses. It makes sense, right? Senses are pretty powerful. Like if I want a cheeseburger from Foster's Grill, you ain't going to stop me. Right? Like, my flesh is really strong. I'm going to go out there and get it because my senses want it. I am hungry. I really want it. I always thought flesh was, like, my legs, my bi- you know, my, my quads. Like, God, how can you hate these quads? Like, you made them. You make me run with them every morning. Like, why is my legs bad? And he was like, no, 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 your senses. Right? If you're controlled by your senses, you're only going to do the things that your senses want you to do. Are you guys with me? Rather than what God wants to do, what the Spirit wants to do. Right? If I wanted to beat that prophet up, those were my senses talking. The spirit would have been like, receive this, <laughs> embrace it, let's have a conversation about it. Instead, I turned to my senses and was like, I'm angry, I'm going to touch his face. And I left it there. Or my senses were like, run away, and I ran. Where the spirit was like, let's have a conversation about it. But the problem is, I'm like, oh, conversation, that's weak, Lord. And he was like, okay, you're talking to the almighty God. <laughs> Like, I think there's power there. Are you guys still with me? Okay. So we'll reread that. So it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Say free. Free. From the law of sin and death. Then verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh or senses, God did. Say God did it. Not me. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh or senses on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh or the senses that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the senses, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the senses set their mind on the things of the senses. But those who live, say, I live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the senses cannot please God. But you, say me, are not in the senses or controlled by the senses, but in the spirit. Say spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life. Say life. Because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. Say life. Life. To my mortal body. Through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the senses, to live according to the senses. For if you live according to the senses, you will die. Right? If I eat too many cheeseburgers, I'm going to have a heart attack. It's over. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen. For as many, here's the point. Here's my point. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Come on. That moment that I gave my life to God, I allowed Holy Spirit to lead me. And I became an S-O-N, a son. Isn't that good? You guys are all sons. Right? And I, I'm in this place now where I'm, I'm starting to, um, I stop pretending I know words just because I hear them. <laughs> like we say words over and over again and we're like, yeah, yeah, I have that. I'm a son, I'm a son, I'm a son. Did you ever look up the definition? It's just me, right? So I looked up the word son and in the Greek it actually says a person who depends, a dependent or a follower. 
Isn't that good? So God created us in our DNA when he first created man to be a dependent of God, to be dependent of a father. Are you guys with me? Am I boring you? Okay. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's verse 15. Cry out, Abba. And then Father. Okay. I'm going to be very real with you guys. When they first wrote this, when I first read it, I was like, why is this dude saying father, father twice? Because that's what Abba means. Abba means father. So for a long time, I was like, yay, father, 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 father. And then I started looking into the word and the Greek word for that father is actually originator or transmitter. So when God called us a dependent or a follower, it was for the purpose of a father who does not lead us to bondage. Right? Are you guys with me? He doesn't lead us to bondage. Instead, he's transmitting life to us. He's a father that transmits good, not a father that transmits bad. Are you guys with me? And the way he works is through seeds. And seeds are activated by something called faith. Have you guys heard of faith? Right? All we, we teach about faith, faith, faith. How many of you guys have looked up the word faith? I just looked it up this week, you know. Because God was like, let's talk about faith up here. And I was like, yeah, I know faith. And he was like, do you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we use it every day, all day. You know what I mean? And he's like, what does it mean? I was like, you know. You know what it is. <laughs> you're the father. You're the transmitter, you know. And he was like, did you know you used faith when it came to your dad? You know, he's taking me back. And he was like, every day you would go out there and you would give him a word. And the word was so easy. To me, it was actually kind of dumb because I wanted power. You know, I was like, oh, give him power, Lord. Make him pass out. God was like, you're just going to tell him that you love him, whether he says it back or not. You want to talk about heart? Like, my dad's a, he's a manly man, you know what I mean? Like, he did construction his whole life, you know? We never, we barely hug. We barely talk that time. I literally was able to go out and do whatever I wanted. And here is this new father, and I'm this son, and he's transmitting to his dependent, to his follower, seeds through faith that says, go and tell this dude that you love him. And what he was showing me was that that word faith is actually pistis, right? And we've heard that before, but I've never actually looked up what the word pistis mean. And that word actually means directly persuaded by God. And I didn't know what the word persuaded meant, so I looked it up, and it means convinced. So when you use faith the size of a mustard seed, those little, those little seeds that you get, God is persuading you. He is persuading you to believe him. Are you guys still with me? I know it's so simple. It makes me so mad. Because you're telling me that this relationship that I've had with this man, with this, with this man for 18 years can be changed just by this simple word of I love you before I leave. And I wish I could tell you I went out there and I was like, Papa, I love you. Like, I'm leaving. You know, I'm leaving. No, I was scared. <laughs> but I was going to use this word. So I went out there. I was like, Dad, I'm going to the mall. I love you. And then I jetted. Like, I was gone. I, did, I, I was too afraid to get hurt by him not saying it back. Right? Are you guys with me? Yeah. Any of you guys have God and still sometimes feel a little fear? Okay. I'm, no, no, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. God is the comforter. He's the peace. He loves us. And it's scary to sometimes hear the voice of God and to act on it. It's really uncomfortable. When people come up here and give testimonies, when they come up here and give the word of God, it's an act of faith. You have to be persuaded by God to come up here and look maybe like a fool. But you also have to be persuaded by God to change somebody's life forever. Are you guys with me? So me and my dad there, every day I would go out and I'm like, dad, I'm going to the gym. I love you. And I would run. I did that for a whole month. He had no idea. I just did it for a whole month, you know, and then I got comfortable with it because I kept doing it and repeating, right? Co-laboring with God. We got to work with God every day. So I'm out there and it's all him. Oh, this is the part that I forgot. Faith isn't a man-made thing. If faith ever feels far away from you, then you're trying to create faith by yourself. Faith is literally a gift from God. Say a gift. That means you can't do anything to make it happen. Like, I can't go in the back of the shed, you know, grab my hammer and hit it and then create faith. It doesn't work that way. It's not a man-made thing. It is a gift from God. So if faith ever feels far away, when was the last time you even talked to Holy Spirit? When is the last time you invited him into the mess that was made? Are you guys with me? I love you. God is so good. So what I kept doing with this father, because I knew my father, the originator, the creator, he wanted to create a great relationship with my, my dad and I, my earthly father. 
And so for a whole month, I kept telling him I love him, and I would run. After two months, I got comfortable, so I would nonchalantly, hey, Pop, I love you, and I would just leave. And I actually started calling him Pops. Before it was, he was my, I can't get into the story, but I called him by his first name because he was my, my stepfather. He adopted me when I was little. And he showed me a lot of love. You know, I, we just had earthly love. <clears throat> it was if I brought home good grades, then he would love me. If I brought bad grades, sad face, you know? So what ended up happening was after six months of telling this dude that I loved him with no reply, he, would not, he didn't say it, literally like the six months of me doing it, I was getting ready to leave, and I was like, Pop, I'm going to church. I love you. I opened the door, and he was like, I love you. He was like, I love you too. And I was like, don't mess this up. (laughs) Be cool. Don't make it a big deal. Even though you've been using faith (laughs) with this God that he probably doesn't believe in, even though my life has changed forever, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. You know? Thank God I didn't walk by flesh because I would be like, oh, dad, my daddy, I love you. <laughs> Instead, I was like, all right, all right, you spirit, use wisdom. I was like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. Closed the door, locked it. I cried. I cried like a baby. Tiso doesn't know this. I cried. I just laid on the floor, literally went back down and against my door, and I cried. And I was like, God, you are real. God, you, if I use faith the size of a mustard seed, I can move a mountain. Right? I think it's somewhere here in the Bible. I wrote it in my notes so I wouldn't forget, and I forgot. <laughs> I think it's Mark eleven twenty two. If you have faith, the direct persuasion of God, you could tell that mountain to move, and it will move. The thing is, we always expect God to do it the way we think he's going to do it. But God knows exactly what we need. And so that was the first moment that I actually started having a real relationship with my dad. It was from that place. And now he's my best friend. We call each other every week. We're good to go. But this is just between us. My dad got diagnosed with this thing in his lungs. I I always say the word wrong, but it's something fibrosis. And what it means is that this is what the doctors are saying. This isn't what I'm believing. But they're saying that his lungs continue to deteriorate. I think it's because he did construction for so long. He probably breathed in bad stuff and messed up his lungs. And, and you know, as a son who built, who, who with God built this relationship that now he's my best friend, it hurts to know there's a chance that he could die because he, has, he needs a double transplant for lungs. So there's these moments, but God knew. God knew this, this moment was going to happen. So he's been preparing me to be rooted and grounded with him. So when these hard, 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 Hard things of life come knocking on your door. You're able to be like, I know who my dad is. Dad, what do you want to persuade me with, Father God? What do you want to directly persuade me with right here in this moment? Because my flesh is saying that he's going to die. I built this relationship with him. What do you want to do, God? Just being real with him. And then he was like, I'm going to cover him. (laughs) That's what he told me. He said, I'm going to cover him. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, you don't worry about it. I'm covering all the gray areas is what he told me. So every day that I get afraid that he might die, that today might be the last day I have a phone call with him, I'm like, my dad gave me a mustard seed. My dad is persuading me. Father God is persuading me that you're going to cover him. So rather than making my dad worry even more, I affirm him. And I tell him, hey, my, my dad, Father God, the guy that changed my life forever, he's covering you right now and he loves you. Are you guys with me? So... Dang, oh, I'm over time. I'm so sorry, guys. I have plenty of more points <laughs> to make, a lot more stories. But what I want you to let you know is that there's power in faith. There's power in direct convincing with God. But the moments that he wants to work with you isn't just the big. It's also your messes. And he's just waiting for you to cry out, Father. Cry out, Holy Spirit. And he works in the big spiritual but he also works in the natural. I started running in the mornings, and, and I, uh, I got a new uh, trail that I found this week, and it's a big old hill. Say big hill. Oh, that's a mountain. <laughs> the thing's a mountain. So I'm running out there. You know, I'm getting it. Running down the hill is so much fun because I'm like, la, 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 la. It's all good. I run. I make it. Turn around. And then I see the giant mountain. It's huge. Like, I promise, like if I go like this, I could touch it. 
And, uh, and, and God was like, do you want to use the principle that you just learned with me? The new revelation. And I was like, oh, why, why not? We got nothing to lose. You know, my life was changed forever. My dad's life was changed forever. I'm believing for brand new lungs. I'm believing that he's healed. So what's a mountain to you, God? And he was like, okay, ask me. And I was like, but you know what I'm going to ask you. And he was like, I love hearing your voice. Tell me. I love how loud you are. I was like, okay, God, let's do it. I was like, God, what do you want to directly convince me with? What do you directly want to persuade me with? What do you want me to use my faith in? What do you want me to use this gift as? And he was like, are you convinced that you can run up this mountain nonstop? And I was like, God, I weigh 200 pounds. My legs aren't that big. <laughs> and I'm hurting. I'm out of breath. And, but if you said it, I'll believe it. If you said it, I'll do it. Can I tell you that I ran the whole mountain, the whole mountain, come on, the whole mountain nonstop. This is the best part. This is how I know it was God. I had the fastest time I've ever had on my watch. I promise you, I was running like 18 minute miles, just, you know, hanging out with God. I ran like a 14, two minute mile. Like I was like, it's a hill. This is impossible, Lord. If you look at your flesh, it will be. If you listen to God, the person that you are rooted and grounded with, anything's possible. Even the mountains. (laughs) Are you guys with me? Okay, I'm over time. So what I want to do is I just want to pray for you guys. How does prayer sound? Good. Um, A thing of wisdom. When I was on my deployment, I I was hanging out in this computer lab. And Father God was like, what do you want? I can give you anything. And I was like, I want money. I want a Corvette, Dodge Challenger, a nice truck, Lord. And I was very, you know, whatever. I was just being a son. I'm asking him. He's telling me. What? I'm Don't judge me. All right. So, <laughs> so, so I was like, wait, 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 wait. I know better. Like, I know better. Those things are going to fade away. Your word says that moths are going to come and eat them. I don't want moths eating my truck. So I was like, what should I pray for? And then I was like, duh, invite Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what should I pray for? He said, you remember Solomon? And I was like, yeah, God, I remember Solomon. The wisest guy ever. And he was like, he prayed for wisdom, godly wisdom. And I was like, okay, give me what that dude got. (laughs) Right? Because if it's in the Bible, God can persuade us with it. So I go and I ask him for wisdom. And he was like, okay. He was going to take an act of faith, an act of Holy Spirit persuading me to get up, go outside, and look like a crazy person. So I got up in front of all these soldiers, in front of my whole leadership that I was going to spend 365 days with, night and day, I got up, went outside, and I just sat there. And I was like, God, you told me to pray for wisdom. Give me wisdom. And in my, in my imagination and in the place where God meets me in my heart, that's very real because we use the power of hope to get there. I saw the heavens open. He came and kissed my forehead. And he was like, this is how you stay wise forever, Rafa. And I was like, lay it on me, Lord. I'm ready. Give me the revelation. You pretend you know nothing so you can know everything. And it was the most life-changing thing I've, that has ever happened to me. So anytime I go in a conversation now with people, anytime somebody comes and prays for me, anytime God speaks to me, I'm like, I'm just going to forget that I even learned that. Just for a second. Not to be dumb. Just let me hear your perspective, God. Let me hear your perspective, the people that are praying for me. And I always get revelation from him. So today, as as Holy Spirit touches your hearts, pretend you know nothing so you can know everything. Because there's a dad that wants to convince you and persuade you today. So bow your heads. Put your hands on your heart. Take your time. I know you have lunch plans. But God has a plan. You're his plan. He loves you. And if you would just be persuaded that God saved my life so he can meet you right here, right now. A guy who messed up his life. Just for this moment for him to touch you and persuade you somehow. So in your heart, you're just going to say, Father God, what are, what are you persuading me in?
I just, I, I felt Holy Spirit touching people. So what we're going to do is, um, we're just going to release the service. But I am persuaded that God wants to keep the conversation going all week, all day. But even right now, we're going to have pastors up here. We're going to have staff up here. <clears throat> and if you need somebody to verbally process what God just gave you, they're going to be here. If you need somebody to partner with you, they're going to be up here. And feel free to come up now if you're a pastor, staff, all that fun jazz. And all they're going to do is they're just going to lay hands on you for a fresh touch from God, for some fresh mustard seeds, for the love of God, and to partner with the thing that God gave you. Okay? You might feel like a fool coming up here. I felt like a fool when I was telling my dad I love him and he didn't say anything back. Now I'm praying for him. So Holy Spirit, thank you for sealing this time together. Had nothing to do with me, but everything to do with you as the Father and your sons. The originator and creator, the transmitter, and your dependents, your followers. So thank you, Holy Spirit. We hold on to it. We love you. And Papa, I just, I just want to say thank you. Just want to say thank you for showing up today.